women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Well, good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Let's pray together before we dig into the word, shall we? Lord, what a glorious message it is that you have set us free. And you want us to live in that freedom, Lord. And as we look into your word today, these are powerful, deep truths. Help us to grasp them. May your spirit open our eyes to reality, the reality of you and your work in us. So, Lord, do a mighty work this morning for each of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we just sang a song, What a Glorious Day, when Jesus washed my sin away, and I will never be the same. You see, something incredible happened when you put your faith in Christ. When you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life was changed. Now, a lot of us don't feel that much different, and as life goes on, we, we begin to wonder, what really has changed? I, I don't feel that much different. I still have some of the same struggles, and am I really different? But you were changed. And kind of the instrument of that was the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you in that place in your spirit that was dead spiritually it is now alive you have the life of christ in you and he begins to work to change your desires to change your heart to make you want what we again we sang in another song a moment ago refiner's fire purify my heart let me be as gold and precious silver my heart's one desire is to be holy you see, if Christ is in you, if that Spirit's in you, then that desire to become like Him begins to grow so that you want more and more to be like Jesus. But the question becomes, okay, I have this desire, but how do I actually become like Him? How do I walk that path to become more like Jesus? How do I grow into Christ? likeness. 
In the book of Galatians that we've been studying for a number of weeks, and we're now in chapter 4, we have a couple more chapters to go after this, is largely about two paths. Two ways to try to grow and become more like Jesus. Two really different ways to relate to God. Paul in this book is really dealing with a deep mystery of the Christian life. How do we really grow into Christ-likeness? And these are deep, powerful truths. I've trusted Jesus, but how do I really live that out? One way is the performance, law, Jesus plus way, and we so easily fall into it. The other way is by faith. But what does it really mean to live by faith? How do I walk in a way that really trusts Him to live His life through me? And Paul is so passionate. He wants the Galatians and ultimately us to live in the freedom that we've been given in Christ, to live by the power of that Spirit in us. So that's why he keeps pressing the point and keeps saying it in different ways because he passionately loves the Galatians and he passionately wants us and God wants us to begin to live more and more in that freedom of the faith that he's given us. So in our passage today that Terry just read, Paul's expanding our vision of what this looks like by appealing to an Old Testament story, a true story about two sons that Abraham had so that we will understand this more clearly you see this lesson of learning to live by faith rather than by the law by performance is maybe the greatest lesson we need to learn as believers in Jesus Christ so that's why it's so important we begin to grasp this and these two brothers these two sons half brothers of Abraham represent for us and help us understand more fully what it means to walk by faith rather than by performance. So let's dig into the passage and look at this together and begin to understand more what it means to walk by faith. He began the passage, verse 21 of chapter 4 of Galatians, Tell me, you who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? Now, he begins by saying, you who want to live by the law, and I think he could include every one of us there. Because it's natural for us to want to live by law. Now, you think, why would that be? It's, it's the bad way to go. It's, it's not the way of faith. But you see, there's something about us that so much wants to stay in control. We want to not have to depend on the Lord ultimately. There's a part of us that wants to be running our lives ourselves. It appeals to pride, the sense of I can do it. I did it my way. I can pull it off. If I just try harder, I should be able to do enough to please God. And so we all, in some sense, want to live by law. I was struck by something I read recently about a book that came out in 2007 called The Year of Living Biblically. This is by a secular Jew, A.J. Jacobs, who decided that he was going to do all he could to live by the Bible for a year. And he had a number of adventures, and uh, here's one of the adventures. He was asked this question, how did people respond to your new behavior? And he says, well, I did end up stoning an adulterer. So that was interesting. (laughs) 
He says he, he at times would dress up as an Old Testament character to make this more real. And one day he was walking in the park dressed up that way with his beard and his robe and sandals and all that. And a man came up to him when he was walking through this park and said, why are you dressed like that? And I said, well, I'm trying to follow the Old Testament, everything from the Ten Commandments to stoning an adulterer. And he said, well, I'm an adulterer. Are you going to stone me? And I said, well, yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) I had been carrying around a pocket full of stones hoping for this interaction. (laughs) They were actually pebbles because the Bible doesn't say the size of the stones. So I took out my pebbles and he grabbed them from my hand and threw them in my face. He was a very confrontational adulterer. (laughs) I was taken aback, but I figured an eye for an eye, so I tossed one back at him. Interesting. So this guy tried to live it out for a year, but here's the crux of the matter. He was also asked, what did you learn about yourself? One thing I learned was how much I sin. (laughs) That was a little disturbing. (laughs) But once you start to pay attention, you get that? This is living by the law. Once you start paying attention to the amount that you lie and gossip and covet and even steal, well, I was taken aback, and that was a real eye-opener. You see, when you live by performance, when you live the way of Ishmael, as we'll see in a moment, when you live by Jesus plus, one of two things happens. Either you have to minimize the law and make it about pebbles and make it something you can keep, or you just find out what a sinner you are. (laughs) And you find out you can't pull this off at all. You simply don't have what it takes because that's all the law can do is put you in a position of failure. Because, again, we don't have what it takes. So there's, in this passage, we see two sons of Abraham, Ishmael and Isaac, two different sons. And the story goes back to Genesis chapter 16. And let me just kind of set the context of the story because it really helps us understand what Paul's trying to get at here is he's trying to help us Learn to live out our Christian lives the way he wants us to. Genesis 16. Now remember, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, leave your land. Come. Follow me to a land I'll give you. And I will give you many descendants. And I will bless you. And make you a blessing to all the nations. And I will make a nation out of you. So Abraham and Sarah are thinking, great. You know, we're pretty old. Abraham was 75 at that point. Sarah was about the same age, and so they're old, and they're wondering how God's going to fulfill this promise. Well, they waited 10 years, and Abraham is now 85. And listen to what happened. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me. Do you get that? The Lord has prevented me from having children. The Lord has messed up. Yeah, he made that promise, but he's not coming through for us. So 
I got a great idea, Abraham. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. Not recommended procedure for any of you who struggle with that. And Abram listened to the word of Sarai. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. Well, obviously there's many things wrong with this. For one, God had made a promise and that they together would have children, and yet they got tired of waiting. They're blaming God. They're making their own plan because God wasn't really coming through. And God had not given up on his promise. He still was going to carry it out. Fourteen years later, God came to them and said, Okay, Abram, now you're 99, you're almost 100. Now it's time to fulfill my promise and gave them a son, Isaac. Okay, so that's the story here. Isaac was the son of promise, the son that God wanted to give them all along. But in between, they decided, no, I want to take it into my own hands. I want to fulfill this my way. So as we look through this passage, we'll see a comparison between these two sons, these two ways of approaching God. Verse 22 and 23 mention that one is the son of a slave woman, one is the son of a free woman. And in the Old Testament, it was clear that if you were a son of a slave, you were always going to be a slave. If you were a son of a free woman, you, you would be free. And then in verse 23, it says, the son of the slave woman, the bondwoman, was born according to the flesh. Now, NIV says, in the ordinary way. That's an unfortunate translation, I think, because according to the flesh... Paul means something pretty specific here. When Paul uses that terminology, flesh, he's talking about the human bent that all of us have in our fallenness. The human bent to want to take control and live life our own way. To be independent of God. To not wait on Him. But to do like Sarah and Abraham did and to work it out ourselves rather than live by faith. You see, when Paul uses this word, it's always talking about this tendency we all have, this bent to depend on me, to be independent of God. Some of you have had a car like I have where it's out of alignment or a wheel is out of balance or whatever and it always pulls to one side. Have you had that? Well, that's what he's saying. There's this tendency in the human heart, personality, to always turn to one side, a bent to turn into oncoming traffic (laughs) where we get into big trouble. Okay? And that's that tendency. That's how Ishmael was born according to the flesh when Abraham and Sarah said, I don't think I can trust God. I'm going to do it my way. That's the flesh, pulling us to not trust God, but to depend on our own strength. And you know what? It's not something we have to be taught. It's natural for every one of us. Yesterday we were watching my 17-month-old granddaughter. And she said, rock. She saw a rocking chair. Rock. I said, great. This is great. I pulled her up into my lap, sat in the rocking chair, and she goes, no. 
She didn't want me in the chair. She wanted to sit in the chair and rock by herself. So she did. I set her in there. I got up and uh, put her in the chair, and she's rocking, and she's pushing, trying to do it, and the cushion, and she slide off onto the floor, and, you know, she didn't get hurt, but that's our tendency, right? We want to do it ourselves, and we learn that or we do that from birth because we have that bent to be independent from God. You see, it's so humbling to trust God because it means we are facing the fact that we cannot do it, and we need Him. We need to trust Him to live His life through us. So that's what this contrast is here. And I want you to note that Abraham is the great example in the Scriptures of a man of faith, right? That he trusted God to leave where he lived and go to this new land and he's walking with God. But you know what? He had the same bent towards the flesh, self-dependence that you and I have. And so we all have that struggle. We we all can be either be an Ishmael or a child of promise, an Isaac, in how we live our lives. And notice in the passage back in Genesis that Abraham, you know, we don't really know if he thought it was a great idea to sleep with Hagar, to have a child. You know, we don't know that. But what it, we do, what it does say is he listened to the voice of his wife. I think like many men, maybe Abraham knew it was wrong, but he just didn't want to face confrontation or criticism from Sarah. So he decided to go along with it. But how foolish that was. Because the child that was born at that point, Ishmael, became the child that today, he, he was the ancestor of the Arabs. And today we continue to have conflict between Arabs and Jews, between the Muslims that many Arabs are, not all, many Arabs are Muslims. And so we have this conflict that's going on now some 4,000 years later simply because Sarah and Abram said, oh, let's, I don't know if we can trust God. Let's do it our way. But see, living by faith is different than that. Living as an Isaac is different. It's living according to promise. It's trusting God. Now, it doesn't mean you don't step out and be active. It doesn't mean you just sit back and do nothing. What it means is that you believe what God says and therefore you act accordingly. I believe God's going to take care of me so I don't have to take control and work it out. I instead am free to step out and love others and give my life away, and serve, and care. You see, it's very active, but it's trust. It's not taking it into our own hands to protect and take care of ourselves. And that's really this challenge between Ishmael and Isaac. It's performance versus faith. Performance is all about looking at what I'm doing and trying to do it a certain way, and faith is about trusting in what God's doing and then seeing how we can get in line with that. So that's the birth between these two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. How about the role in the family? In every family, there, you, you play a role, right? Maybe in your family, you were a leader. Or maybe in your family, you were the family clown. 
Or maybe you were the good girl or the good boy. Or maybe you were the invisible one who just hid in a corner so that you wouldn't get into trouble. Or maybe in your family you were the spoiled favorite. Or maybe you were the black sheep that everybody just kind of pointed fingers at. But we all have a role in the family. And he's going on to say that both Ishmael and Isaac had a role as well. There are roles in the family of God. Ishmael, it says was a slave. Everyone born to Hagar is a slave. She's her, Hagar's a slave and her children are slaves. What's a slave do? Think about how a slave would function. We don't have these today, but in their day, a slave functions in relationship to the master completely based on duty and performance, Right? You're told to do certain things and you better do them or you're in big trouble. You are there to be at the beck and call and command of the master. And if that's your role in the family, then you better do it. And if you disobey, you get punished. You see, that side of that way of relating to God, that role in the family, the old covenant way, he says it's two covenants. The old covenant way is all about that. It's about performance. It's about doing what you're supposed to do to please the master. And that's your relationship with God when you live as an Ishmael, when you live under the old covenant. And again, I think all of us tend to try to live that way. But notice what the dominant emotions will be if you're living as an Ishmael, as a slave, with God as your master. For one, it'll be pressure. Pressure to make sure, try to figure out that you're doing the right thing and I better be doing the right thing or else he'll be displeased with me. There is fear. Fear that I'm not pulling it off. There's guilt when you do fail. There's condemnation. Or if you feel like you're doing pretty well, there's a self-pride where you feel superior to others who aren't pulling it off quite as well. You see, that's how you live when you live as an Ishmael. How about as an Isaac? He said it's a different covenant. He says it's the new covenant. It's a covenant where your relationship with God is different. Your role in the family is different. It's as a free son in the family. Now think for a moment about how that's different than being a slave. A slave has no rights, but a son is a full member of the family, has complete rights. He can come and interrupt his father anytime. If he's in a business meeting or whatever, he can come in and say, hey, dad, I need to talk to you. Okay, son, you are first to me. That's the picture we get in Scripture is that we can walk into His presence at any time, interrupt Him and cry, Abba, Father, I need you right now. And He'll be there in a second. In fact, He's already there with us. You see, the relationship of a son is very different than a slave. The father sees the son as the future of the family. And the father will do everything he can to help that son. Now again, the word son here is used because it's the position of privilege in this culture. But if you're a woman, you obviously fit. You are in a position of privilege, a son or a daughter. Understand, that's, he's just using that picture to describe any of us. A, a son, the father is going to be committed to help him grow to become 
a man who can take over the business, who can uh, be fully mature. And see, that's God's view of an Isaac. You're a son of his with all the rights that he wants to bless you with and give you with. And that kind of relationship. So think what kind of emotions you'd have rather than fear and guilt and condemnation. That kind of relationship with God, an Isaac kind of relationship, is one of joy, thankfulness. I am so thankful I've got this father. An intimate relationship with him. I just love being with my dad. A relationship of security. I just feel so secure in him and his love because he loves me and he's dad and he's the master, but he's my dad. Very different. So those are the roles in the family. If you're an Ishmael, you're a slave. But if you're an Isaac, you are a son full of joy, security, and thankfulness. Well, as he goes on to describe this comparison between these two to help us understand it more fully, he talks about the kind of security that each of them will have. And in verse 25, he says, This Hagar is, in Mount, is Mount Sinai in Arabia, corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. You see, if you're an Ishmael and you're seeking to live by performance, he's drawing this analogy and he's saying, it's like uh, with Hagar that your security is in the law, Mount Sinai, where the law was given. And you see the law as your security. Oh, if I can just keep a hedge around me and make sure I don't step over the line then God will be pleased with me. And so everything's about your performance trying to make sure you keep this hedge around you of the law, Mount Sinai. And your focus is on the present Jerusalem, he says. That's where the temple was. That's, okay, God's dwelling there and he's at work there. And, and so that's where the temple is, where all the worship of God is. That's the place where God has made himself known and God dwells. And so your security becomes centered on that. And we know that the... New Testament Jews, that's what they did. They, they thought, you know what? We are safe as long as there's a temple. Nobody can harm us because God's with us because of that building. And your security becomes centered on a place, on a building. And that's where we'll be safe. If you're living as an Ishmael, you find security in the same way or similarly. We begin to think, okay, we've got our little rules here as a church or as Christians or whatever, and as long as I stay within the rules, then I'll be acceptable. Or we depend on our buildings. We've got that church building there, and therefore, you know, we're doing okay. Or our Christian groups or our organization. Or many of us in our culture, Christians in our culture, say, hey, our security comes from the fact we live in a Christian nation. But notice as our culture becomes more and more post-Christian. People get more and more insecure. If you're living as an Ishmael, you get more and more insecure because you're depending not ultimately on your relationship with God, but on all these outward things, just like the Jews did. And you get more and more insecure. But an Isaac lives very differently. He lives as a new covenant believer with your security, he says, in the Jerusalem above which is free. Now, what does he mean by that? One of the things we need to understand is that, and, and that the Scriptures keep telling us, is that this world that we live in, in this physical world, 
is not the ultimate reality. In fact, there's a spiritual world, the kingdom of God, all around us that we cannot see with our physical senses, but that is more real than this physical world. There is a spiritual reality that we are to begin to live in more and more. Abraham himself lived in that. In Hebrews chapter 11, great picture of the faith, it says Abraham left his country because he was seeking a city that was a heavenly city, not an earthly city. Even Abraham had a sense of that. And as you begin to grow in Christ, God begins to give you more and more spiritual eyes to see, you know what? My security is not in what happens here. If, if our culture turns anti-Christian and I lose my house and I get persecuted, etc., that's not easy, but that's not where my security lies. It's in the heavenly Jerusalem. It's in the spiritual reality that, you know what? That's where I live. I'm a citizen of heaven and that's where my life is. And I see God at work in all this and I don't have to be afraid because my security is in the spiritual reality, not in this physical reality around it. This world is not my home. And I'm looking forward to that Revelation 21 where it says the heavenly Jerusalem will descend into the new heavens and new earth. Folks, it's already there. It's just waiting for when God, when Jesus returns and creates the new heaven and new earth. And, and that spiritual reality that's all around us now will suddenly become visible to us. But in the meantime, we live by faith. As Isaac's, not as Ishmael's, living in this physical world as our security, but living in the spiritual reality. Some 20 years after Paul wrote this book, the Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. Why did God allow that to happen? Well, because he didn't want people to live anymore in the physical reality as an Ishmael. He wants us to live in the spiritual reality. Why do you think he's never, despite many attempts, allowed the temple to be rebuilt? Why is Jerusalem divided today? Because God, I believe, doesn't want us to put our hope in that. But in the heavenly Jerusalem, to trust in him and the spiritual reality around us, to get our security there. Finally, the relationship of these two brothers, Isaac and Ishmael, it says in verse 29, that the one born according to the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, and so it is even now. He's talking about sibling rivalry. (laughs) Any of you have older brothers and sisters? Well, then, if you do, you know what it's like. (laughs) It says in Genesis that Ishmael mocked Isaac. He made fun of him. He was 14 years older, you know, he had a little more power over him and made fun of him. But I think the analogy that he's drawing here, I don't think he's so much talking about the fact that there's conflict between Arabs and Jews today or anything like that. I think, uh, because we're called to love the Muslims and share Christ with them and many Arabs have come to Christ. It's been marvelous what God's doing. I think what he's saying is he's saying, you know what? Those who live by law tend to be critical of those who live in freedom, tend to be judgmental. They're not measuring up. They're not doing what we're doing. Look at how hard we're working to do the right thing. And, and they're not working so hard to do the right thing. You, if you're going to live by law, you almost have to condemn others so you can feel okay about yourself. 
And I got to confess to you, I am a recovering Ishmael. I am a recovering legalist. And I have in my life been very critical of others because they haven't lived according to my little set of rules. And that's awful. And I repent of that. Because if you're an Isaac, you see, you get to live with an open heart, welcoming those who are different. And, and if they're struggling to live out righteousness and holiness like God calls us to, you don't judge them and condemn them. Rather, you come alongside to love them and encourage them and help them grow and care for them with grace, the same grace that God has shown you. Now we get to show grace to others. Grace brings unity, love, acceptance, patience, forbearance. So as you look at these two, Ishmael and Isaac, which one do you want to be? (laughs) I hope you want to be an Isaac because that's what God wants for you, to live in freedom, not as a slave. So how do we get there? Well, the next couple chapters in the next few weeks, we will dig into this a lot further, what it means to practically live by faith rather than by the flesh. But there's a couple things that this passage ends with that are encouragements to us about how we can live differently. Verse 30, Paul quotes this Old Testament passage, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman, talking about Hagar and Sarah, Ishmael and Isaac and And I think what he's saying here, Paul's trying to apply it to our own hearts and saying, look, you struggle with being either an Ishmael or an Isaac. He's saying, cast out Ishmael. Choose to not live by performance and pressure. Yeah, it's going to be a tendency, a bent of yours to do so. But you know what? When you see yourself starting to do that, living by pressure and guilt and condemnation of yourself and others, cast it out. Recognize it, cast it out. I think that's the first step to say, I don't want to live that way, Lord. I want to live differently. Part of it is realizing when you, when you see yourself falling into law and performance to just recognize the fact, why would I try to live that way? I can't do it anyway. Performance is a little bit like realizing that you, the task is to get into space. And you've got a car, and you work on that car, and you get the most souped-up engine you could, and you get headers, and you get whatever. Some of you know a lot more than I do about that. But you just soup that baby up as much as you can and do all you can to get into space. But you know what? A car can't make it. And when you live by performance, that's how it is. No matter how hard you work, you ain't never going to get there. Living by faith is much more saying, I can't do it by my efforts. I'm going to strap myself into the space shuttle and let Jesus be the pilot. And yeah, I've got duties to do and I'm going to cooperate with him. But you know what? I've got to depend on him to get me where I need to go. That's a picture of the life of faith. But here's a very Striking verse to me, this last one. So then, brethren, the end of this, I might think he would say, really make sure you're an Isaac and not an Ishmael. But notice what he says. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, the slave woman, but of the free woman. He says, when you came to Christ, God put his spirit in you. 
You are already an Isaac. You've got all you need to trust your Heavenly Father. You don't need to work hard to make it happen. You are already that new creation. So simply begin to trust in Him working in you. Isn't that good news? That is great news. He just says, that's who you are. You have the full rights of an Isaac. You're a child of promise. You're not an Ishmael. So begin living that way. One picture that helps me, and I just conclude with this. One of our problems is we depend on our senses so much. And so we look at our outward. We look from the outside in, right? And we look at our behavior and we look at all that. And we think, no, I'm an Ishmael because I struggle. And and we look from the outside in. But God looks at us from the inside out. When he looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees the Spirit of God in us working his way out. And that's what he sees. So he looks at us and says, wow, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I delight in you. Nothing you do can mess that up. So trust me. And all that outward behavior, that'll change over time as you walk with me and depend on me and repent with me and keep your eyes on the heavenly Jerusalem, not the earthly. God sees you from the inside out and he says, now take on my eyes and see yourself in the same way as a new creation with the Spirit of God in you. Isn't that good news? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Christ has set us free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this good news. And we confess it's hard for us sometimes to believe what you say about us. Because we are so trapped in this physical body that seems more real than the spiritual world where you live and dwell all around us and in us. So, Lord, help us trust you. Give us eyes to see you at work and to trust in that spiritual reality of you in us. In the name of Jesus, who has set us free, we pray these things. Amen.